Metro TV will get started in 60 seconds. Peace. Welcome to the Parks and Sustainability Committee. Today is Thursday, March the 9th, 2023. The time is currently 3.05 p.m. I'm Chairman Ja'Cory Arthur. We also have Vice Chair Marilyn Parker with committee members Philip Baker, Betsy Rui, Jeff Hudson, Khalil Batshan, and we have council members Owen and Chapel joining us as well. This meeting is being held pursuant to KRS 61.8. 826 and council rule 5a we have one item on our agenda today r-014-23 a resolution opposing the seizure of conservation land for the purpose of building a natural gas pipeline through Birmingham arbitorium and research force may I have a motion, motion. Second. second thank you so much our primary sponsor is on the committee Councilwoman, it's on you. Thank you, Chairman Arthur. Good afternoon, everyone. This resolution is asking Metro Council to speak out against LGE's attempts to use eminent domain to take land in Bernheim Forest, an area protected by a conservation easement, to run a gas line to areas served by another public utility. The staff at Bernheim and citizens across the region have fought this proposal since it was first announced, and I have supported them. Call me the Lorax, I'll speak for the trees, for the trees have no voice, especially in court. I know this is not happening in Jefferson County, so many people think we don't have a vested interest, but I think we do. As residents of this planet, we're steadily destroying it. As ratepayers, we don't want to see our utility invest millions in what will soon become a stranded asset. As citizens, we're watching a private company use eminent domain to increase profits for their stockholders. And as members of Metro Council, we have passed multiple resolutions in the past three years advocating for renewable energy and a target of net zero greenhouse gas emissions community-wide by 2040. We can't get there without pressuring LG&E to move away from fossil fuels. When LG&E first announced the route for their new pipeline, they said it was the cheapest route. Thanks to litigation and inflation, the cost has tripled. It's no longer the cheapest route. In addition, engineers for a utility that already has an easement through that area will not allow LG&E to use their land because they say it's unsuitable for a gas pipeline. In addition, the country is steadily switching from fossil fuels to renewables. Solar is actually cheaper to install than natural gas now. Fossil fuels are a non-renewable resource. 
they will only become more expensive as they become more scarce. Financially, it doesn't make sense to build more fossil fuel infrastructure. And finally, eminent domain is to be used for the public good. There are other possible routes. As a matter of fact, LG&E has no customers currently in the path of that pipeline. They want to expand their market at a cost to you, me, and the planet. We do have a stake in this. It will affect us, our ratepayers, and the planet we all share. So I ask you to vote in support of this resolution. Thank you, and I'll turn it over to our guests who have presentations. For our guests, please make sure that you state your name, title, organization, if applicable. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, good afternoon, Chairman Arthur and Vice Chairman Parker. It is my pleasure to come before the whole committee this, this afternoon. I am Elisa Owen. I am the Executive Director of Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light. And we are Kentucky's chapter in a national coalition of religiously based organizations that exists to mobilize a religious response to climate change. I am an ordained Presbyterian pastor who also happens to have about 10 years of experience in the business of sustainability and electricity regulation. And thus, I have the honor of being a spokesperson today. I'm not just speaking for, for Kipple. I also have the honor of being the spokesperson for a coalition of nonprofits and individuals. We represent 8,450 individuals that live in the Jefferson County area. And in addition to Kippel, we have religious and secular groups that include the Dominican Sisters of Peace, the Earth and Spirit Center, Friends for Environmental Justice, the Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition, the Kentucky Waterways Alliance, the Loretto Community, New Pioneers for a Sustainable Future, the Sierra Club of Greater Louisville, the Justice Center at All Peoples, and the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville, or REAL, who was instrumental in getting that resolution that Councilwoman Rui mentioned that is trying to help Louisville get to 100%, this metro area, to 100% of renewable energy by 2040. And as she said, we're going to need the cooperation of our monopoly utility to make that renewable energy resolution you guys had the wisdom to pass happen. Now, our coalition views LG&E's insistence on building new natural gas infrastructure in Bullitt County as especially when that area could just as easily be served by electric power. It's not like the folks don't have power, it's just that they don't have gas power. We view that as unwanted proof that LG&E leadership has not fully grasped the imperatives of this, the 21st century. As such, our view is that they are moving our local utility about 180 degrees from where it needs to be. And they're doing that in three ways. Let me tell you what they are. First, assaulting private property rights and the viability of conservation easements throughout the state. Number two, disregarding the interests of their own captive ratepayers driving up costs for us. 
and finally, threatening our environment. Now, before I go any further to unpack these overarching reasons why we hope you'll support this resolution, let me, <clears throat> let me just remind you of the gentlepersons agreement that requires LG&E to keep its ratepayers front and center, just like it does its shareholders, when it makes a decision on how to allocate its capital resources. In a nutshell, LG&E did not, as a fabulous business, earn the trust and the consent of the people it serves. Instead, the company was given the privilege of providing monopoly electric service to our community and many other areas of the state in exchange for attending to our interest, our being a ratepayer, I'm one and so are you, in attending to our interest in electricity at the lowest cost rates and rates that are fair, just, and reasonable. When the company doesn't attend to this interest, what happens? It goes before the Kentucky Public Service Commission, which exists to make sure the company does not ignore ratepayers as it makes business decisions. Now, in this instance of the pipeline, our coalition is quite convinced that we, <clears throat> that the Bernheim pipeline might quickly become a stranded asset. And what does that mean? Simply means that because of the economics of fossil fuel in this day and age, it will quickly, quickly, quickly become unprofitable. And when it does, who is still on the hook for paying the bill? The taxpayers. Either the taxpayers or the shareholders. And you tell me which one will eventually be, end up paying the bill. All right? So given that, given that, let's quickly unpack the three buckets of reasons that we're asking you to vote, vote in favor of the resolution that we put before you to get today, that has been put before you today. First, LG&E's assault on private property rights. In trying to condemn Bernheim's land in order to provide gas service to an area in which it doesn't have customers, LG&E threatens private property rights that are deeply embedded and for good reason in our state's political culture. A Kentucky appeals court decided that actually the state of Kentucky does have a property interest in the 494 acres that the LG&E pipeline would pass through. Why? Because it used taxpayer money through the Kentucky Land Heritage Conservation Fund to buy the land in which Bernheim currently owns. But even so, even though it's semi-public property in that way, that public money was used to buy it, a Kentucky appeals court ruled that the conservation easement is not relevant in, in condemnation pr proceedings pertaining to this portion of Bernheim's land. But I would submit to you that legal questions, and many of them, still remain. Does this mean our state's conservation easement law is effectively null and void because of the way the eminent domain law is written? Or is more judicial exploration of these issues needed to determine if and how Kentucky's eminent domain law can really coexist with the conservation easement law? 
Finally, does this mean that farmers and other landowners across our state are vulnerable to land grabs by utilities who do not really meet a very high bar for condemnation? Let me tell you what I mean by high bar. For our, from our point of view, the eminent domain law would not willy-nilly render all conservation easements null and void. Instead, it would be used to build infrastructure, assuming that that infrastructure were the sole way to provide power service to those living in a territory in question. That's just an example of a high bar, right? And we have already made clear that power for Bullitt County development can be had already through Salt River Electric Cooperative. Granted, it's not LG&E air infrastructure, but it exists. Second, of all your constituents, who all of whom have no choice but to receive electricity from Louisville's monopoly utility, all of those constituents, I can guarantee you, want to make sure that that company does not invest in costly infrastructure that cannot be paid down over the course of its natural life. The International Energy Agency has stated clearly that our planet, to avoid the worst effects of climate change, needs no new fossil fuel infrastructure after 2021. I don't have to remind you, do I? It's 2023. Not only is our utility threatening the health of our planet by making this investment, it's also threatening the financial health of its own company and the right of LG&E's methane gas customers to low-cost rates. Fossil gas ratepayers already call your office, I know they do, complaining about high rates. I don't want this risky investment to push the fossil gas rates of your constituents Finally, our planet is facing the twin crises, each exacerbates the other, of wildlife loss and climate change. Monitored populations of vertebrates, vertebrates, mammals, birds, amphibians, reptiles, and fish have seen a devastating 69% drop since 1970. That's according to the World Wildlife Fund Living Planet Report. And climate change, that's as close to us as Friday's devastating windstorm and canceled school day. In order to reverse these crises that are threatening not only our current quality of life, but also the survivability of our children and grandchildren, we have to hold the monopoly utility who enjoys a revenue stream that we provide, we have to hold them accountable especially when renewable energy with storage is both lower cost over its life cycle than even natural gas and infinitely better for human and planetary health. On that note, and a small digression, not digression really, on that note I want to reiterate to all of you that social justice is environmental justice. And black and brown communities disproportionately live around fossil fuel power plants and other industrial pollutants. As such, they disproportionately suffer the health consequences of fossil pollution and often, as communities with less 
disposable income than the mean are those who would most benefit from lower cost renewable options both to power their homes and their cars and buses. But given historical systemic racism, these communities have the least extra resources to be able to make the transition we all need to make, them included, right, to lower rates across the board. And so in my view, what we need to do is encourage the, the utility, not just for the health of the planet, but for the health of the people on the planet, right? To get rid of this nasty inequality that plagues us, we need to encourage the utilities to lower rates across the board by choosing to power, power our community, not with more fossil gas infrastructure, but with low cost renewable power. Now my colleague and friend in this fight to hold our monopoly utility accountable is Mark Worms, and he's the director of Bernheim Forest, which is directly threatened by this pipeline. And he has the um, honor, I guess, of summarizing all these people's positions so very well. Listen to what he said. Then you can listen to him. The opposition to the proposed LG&E PPL pipeline is larger than Bernheim. The entire community, Metro Council included through its renewable energy resolution, is expressing concern that we can no longer afford big energy businesses as, as usual, especially while we struggle with the dual crises of climate change and biodiversity loss. That's why we are pushing for a safe, sustainable, and healthy future where communities thrive using low-cost renewable power and nature also flourishes. LG&E has an opportunity to be a national leader in decarbonizing energy production and delivery. We should help them do the right thing. And so I ask for your vote supporting this resolution. Mark? While our next speaker is coming up, let the record show we're joined by committee members Pat Mulvihill and Cindy Fowler. Please say your name position organization for the record. Thank you. I'm Mark Warms, Executive Director at Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest. I want to thank the council for letting me speak today. Greatly appreciate it. I'm going to show some pretty pictures as we go because I don't think you all get to see enough beauty in what you're working so hard for. How do I do that? Oh, come over here. Okay. And make sure the button is lit up. Light should be green. For committee members and for the public, this presentation is attached to the agenda. I'll take a few minutes of your time. What I'd like to do is start by giving you some sense of what Bernheim is, give you a sense of why this committee and the council should care about what happens at Bernheim, how it affects Louvillians and everyone throughout the region, 
um, and then go into some of the details about the pipeline and how we can do something quite uh, more uh, improved than that. Um, so with that, um, Isaac Wolf Bernheim founded uh, Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest uh, 90, almost 95 years ago. He believed that nature was important, that it was regenerative for all people, regardless of race, creed, or economic status. Today, Bernheim remains free. A suggested donation is all, and if they don't want to give, we invite everyone in. And by the way, we have about 350 to 400,000 visitors a year from all over Louisville, the metro area, the state, and the nation. About 50% of those are coming from Louisville Metro. Uh, Bernheim Forest is often called just that. Why? Because we're big, largely unbroken forests. Very rare in central Kentucky. And forests are important. We'll talk about those ecological services in a minute. But just think about the clean air, the clean water, the cooling of the air that occurs. And our mission is connecting people with nature. And we do that in so many fun ways, um, from engaging school kids uh, with nature hands-on, um, including uh, nature-based education programs where we immerse those kids in the beautiful habitats, the clean water at Bernheim, et cetera. We work with schools from JCPS, including Hazelwood Elementary and Frederick Law Olmsted uh, Middle School, just to name a few. But we also have programs that come down from Bellarmine and U of L and many others. About 10 to 12,000 students a year interact at Bernheim. We use art as a means to draw people in, but also tell engaging stories and touch the heart and the mind. And so ecotourism and art tourism brought in 530,000 people in 2019 when we introduced the forest giants in a giant forest. People loved them, came in from 50 states, 36 countries, and they're still coming to see the forest giants. We are an economic driver along the Bourbon Trail. That affects everyone. There's Mama Lou Marie contemplating the future of the forest. She's a little bit worried about what she sees going on around us. And here it is. Land use changes are quite dramatic. Let me, let me tell you, Bernheim does not oppose development by any means. Development's going to happen. What we want it to be is planned, sustainable, equitable, smart development. And you know, it's hard to say, but that's Bernheim in the background. And that's going on all around us. So we, we are uh, affected by this. Go ahead. Forests are important. As I mentioned, they do many things. They, they clean water, they collect water, they cool the air, they provide habitat. And you know, some of that is because we provide 13 streams coming out of Bernheim. We're the headwaters for 13 streams. That's servicing everybody in this region including those people who like limestone filtered water for their product. <laughs> these are some images, oh, I wish it was uh, brighter. Um, these are from our environmental artist and residence, Carla Rhodes. There's a beautiful shot of a beaver. We're gonna go through a couple of these real fast. Great blue heron down at Bernheim, not very far from where this pipeline is proposed. 
a bobcat. And of course, we have other habitats besides prairie, besides forests. Prairies provide that biodiversity, and of course, they're critical to pollinators and other beautiful creatures such as monarch butterflies, which, by the way, are about to be listed as endangered species themselves. And here it is. This is what's going on. This is a proposed route from LG&E for a 12-mile pipeline cutting across Bernheim's Cedar Grove uh, Wildlife Corridor. What we're attempting to do is patch land together to go all the way up to those other protected lands above us and up to the Salt River. If we can do that, that means populations of wildlife will be able to move for generations to come. Extremely important. But this, is a, this pipeline proposed by uh, LG&E, a $1.2 billion company, by the way, um, is projected to last 70 years. Why are we going to be pumping hydrocarbons for 70 years? Where are their best practices? Cedar Grove is used by a bunch of very cool species. You say, well, you know, why do we care about bats? They're part of the ecosystem. They eat insects. They're part of the, the system that ties us all together and keeps us healthy. This is a northern long-eared bat, which, by the way, is an endangered species. It was just listed. There's a tucked into that bark is an Indiana bat, a long-listed uh, endangered bat species, rare as it can be but we have healthy populations at Bernheim because we're an intact, uncut up natural forest. And here's a beautiful limestone rock full of holes and crevices. And on that rock lives this really cool little snail. It's called the bluff vertigo. And it's an extremely rare snail, only found in a handful of places in Kentucky. It's so rare, you can't even call it endangered. We don't know enough about it. And yet, that's really important for, carb, uh, uh, for, for uh, calcium cycling within the environment. Go ahead. Indigo bunting uses that space. And my favorite, the ghost of the forest. That is a golden eagle. We have been tracking golden eagles for seven years now. This is Athena. And that backpack she wears allows us to track her on her migratory routes to her breeding grounds in the Hudson Bay of Canada and coming all the way back to enjoy the mild winters of Kentucky. Nobody else is doing that. We have been tracking these birds. They're rare in Kentucky because they need large, unbroken forests. And this pipeline will be one more cut. And the main reason this is bigger than Bernheim is right here. We have conservation easements and deed restrictions on that land, intentionally put there to protect that land into perpetuity. And yet, a for-profit energy company whose parent company, PPL, is worth $5 billion plus, is trying to take our privately owned land, the land that Kentucky has interest in, for their own corporate use. Hmm. Interesting. But you know, we're bigger than that. We're bigger than that. We're doing best practices. Here's a best practice right here. We're helping install green roofs, living roofs, right here in downtown Louisville. Because Louisville's a heat island, and it's getting hotter every day. But when you plant a roof like that, it slows storm water. It cools the roof. 
It allows energy conservation in the winter. It provides habitat for birds, bees, and other pollinators. And it's just cool. We're also looking at, to expand our solar capacity at Bernheim. Here's an example of a solar canopy above a parking lot. You want to provide solar energy, which is cheaper than natural gas? Well, we got a lot of parking lots downtown, don't we? There's a lot of parking lots in Shepherdsville. I don't know. There's a possibility there. And of course, we're restoring habitat than, rather than trying to, we're restoring habitat rather than trying to destroy habitat. And here's an image of Wilson Creek, used to be farmed. We moved that creek back into a meandering uh, uh, habitat down the middle of the creek. A few years later, it's grown in, has a beaver dam on it, and is biologically rich. Now it's a beautiful example of a lowland wet forest. If you help save Bernheim, you're saving more than that. You're providing a healthy future for our kids and their kids. You're providing a way forward that is sustainable for humans and nature. And you're holding a monopoly accountable. We want a sustainable future, and I hope you do too. Thank you very much. Councilwoman, do you have any other speakers or any other remarks you want to make? I don't see anyone in the queue on my monitor. I don't know about group me. Vice Chair Parker. I, yes, thank you, and thank you for your uh, very zealous presentations. Um, I was just wondering, we've heard from Burnham Forest and an advocacy group. Are, will we not be hearing from anyone from LG&E? They were not invited at this point. Okay. Um, I was also wondering, I had heard, I'm curious as to the size of Bernheim Forest, if um, perhaps you can answer this, and um, we can't hear from LG&E, so I'll have to take you at your knowledge base, but how large will the swath be in relationship uh, to the overall size of Burnham Forest? Well, the, the size of the cut is not the issue. The placement of that cut and the fact that it's another cut is the issue. So Bernheim is about 16,000 acres. And so the pipeline right-of-way will take about uh, 12 acres total out of Bernheim. But that is accessed forever. And so no trees will grow on that land. It will be managed by LG&E, and Bernheim will have little say about that. So it's not the size of the cut, it's the fact that it's cutting across the wildlife corridor, 
the fact that it is breaking conservation easements and deed restrictions that were meant to protect this very kind of conservation land, and the fact that a private company is doing this for their own profit. Um, okay, they are a utility service, but so on the 12 acres, this is going underground, correct? So initially? No, ma'am. So it's on top? Okay. So it's going underground, but one of the things I wanted to add, uh, Vice Chairman Parker, is that um, this land is unstable land, that there was a utility that already evaluated it and said that it was not um, appropriate to put a gas pipeline on. Because as you know, if you've got um, the limestone underneath, Right? What is it? The darst? The karst? Karst underneath? You have the limestone underneath. Then that is opens up the way for sinkholes and other problems that could destabilize the pipeline. So in addition to the part of the park that it would take, the forest that it would take, we are very concerned about the stability of the land overall and we do not want a pipeline run over land that is unstable and unable to um, adequately protect the pipeline from accidents. So I guess they, I mean, I don't know, because we can't hear from them if they have a remedial action or something that would stabilize that. Um, they, do. they do, they do, Chairman Parker. The, their, um, solution to that is to pour concrete into the holes, which is where all the wildlife you just saw lives. So that's their solution. Um, so the wildlife can't won't be able to traverse that area? They can't run through it or well, there, there fly are, over it? There, there are species that re rely on caves and sinkholes and other kinds of pockets to live in, that's where they nest or breed or whatever you wanna call it. Um, so that's one thing where that will be eliminated. But secondly, the instability of the land is, is the real problem because if that pipeline is exposed or if it breaks, um, you know, that could be a c catastrophe. And there's plenty of natural gas pipelines breaking around the country every year and causing forest fires and ex exploding houses and all kinds of things. So, this is, a, this is an infrastructure that is outdated and will be in use probably for 70 years. And the question is, is where's LG&E's sustainability plan and what are they gonna do to wean themselves off of carbon-rich fuels? And you know what? Nobody, nobody can hold them accountable for that. Their answer to that question was, well, we're just gonna continue converting from coal to natural gas, a little less carbon output, but from the carbon from the natural gas, we're gonna count on the fact that carbon uh, capture and sequestration will eventually be figured out. That is a sustainability plan that is a wish and a prayer. Okay, I might have one more question, but I'll, I'll let other people get in the queue. Please, Thank happy, you. happy to answer any. Committee member Hudson. I believe, I believe uh, Councilman Batchelor is next in the queue. That's the mic. Um, I'm okay with uh, 
Ch uh, Vice Chair Parker asking that last question. Um, maybe I'd like to hear that first, if that's okay. You don't make your mind up. Come on, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, the, the other thing, it's actually kind of more, of, might be more of a comment, but Bullock County is one of our fastest growing areas in the large Louisville metro. Absolutely. So, if they can't get energy out there, um, this might actually be more costly for them. And then, so if we can't get energy out there that's what, available right now, then we're essentially mandating all of those new businesses and homes, we're kind of mandating them to be all solar. So there's respectfully there there is energy available. Energy comes in many different forms and from many different sources. And the difference is that uh, LG&E provides natural gas to that area. It does not provide electrical power. Electrical power is provided by Salt River Electric Cooperative. There's plenty of electricity available to power every business and every home in Shepherdsville and so, or Bullitt County for that matter. And so it's not a matter of shutting businesses down or denying service, it's de denying gas service at this point. And you know, we have not been able to find out who has been denied gas service. That's, that's proprietary information for LG&E. So we can only take their word for it that these are homes and not just big businesses because their, their certificate of public need and necessity is based upon residential need and not corporate need. Um, so, you know, that's, there's, there's just so many nuances with this. But power is available in the form of electricity. What we're suggesting is not only is it available from electrical sources that are traditional, but let's move ahead and build correctly and provide solar-powered electricity. That way, it's a cleaner environment for us and the kids. It's a sustainable environment with prices dropping rather than increasing. And boy, wouldn't it be something for Kentucky to be a leader um, in something? And we have a chance to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Committee Member Bachelor. Thank you, uh, thank you, um, Chair Arthur. Um, I just would like to make a motion to table this um, to at least hear LG&E's version or side um, of this so we can make an educated, wise decision on how this needs to be done. Because I'm only hearing this side, and with all due respect, I think Bernheim is a beautiful, wonderful place. Thank I've you. been there, visited it, it's amazing. Thank but you. I think we need to make a motion to table this and hear LG&E's take on this. Um, I, I just think it's wise for us to, to at least have both parties to listen to. So my motion is to table this until we can hear from LG. Move to table. Second. Second. All right. Let's do a roll call because this seems like it might be a little divisive. We want to clearly hear if we want to table or move forward with it. Make a motion. To table. table. Committee member Mulvihill. Due to my wife's employment at LG&E, I am going to abstain on all matters pertaining to this, and even including even even voting whether to table or not. Thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, this is Sonia Harwood, the clerk. Um, Marissa, can you call Councilwoman Fowler and, and Councilwoman Fowler, we would need you to turn on your camera, ma'am. Um, I thought I had my camera on. Can you hear me? We can hear you, we just don't see you. I, I, I'm pushing the button. Oh, can you see me now? We cannot. Okay, no, wait a minute. How about now? Is there there we go. Okay. Okay. Um, Committee Member Fowler? No. No. Thank you. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chair, you have three yes votes, no, four no votes, and one abstain. So it does not pass. The motion does not pass. The motion to table uh, fails in the future. If anybody wants to bring in somebody who has an opposing voice or an opposing position, feel free to hit me up and say, hey, invite LG&E. This has been on our agenda for weeks now. Uh, do you have any other questions? Committee Member Hudson. Thank you, Chair Arthur. So <clears throat> I, I'm not opposed to um, th this, this resolution from the um, perspective of everything that has been talked about here today. Uh, where this motion goes, or where this resolution goes a bridge too far for me is in subsection two of section one, uh, where uh, we are directing a private uh, business how to conduct their business. Um, so uh, for that reason, I'll be voting no. Councilmember Owen. Um, I, I wanted to say a couple things here. One, um, from someone who's involved in in real estate and property rights. I want everyone to think very carefully about what this, what lg e is trying to do as it relates to property rights. Think about eminent domain and what that could mean for something that you owned, your house, your business. Think about what that means. Think about how strong our property rights laws are, are in Kentucky and in my opinion should not be used willy-nilly based on the situation. If we have strong property rights, then that should be the case across the board. That should include conservation easements and other things. It should not be when it's, when it's, um, when it's not beneficial to you, we want to erode our property rights. So I think we, we should think very carefully about that, number one. Number two, is lg and &E a private entity? Yes. yes. But does lg and &E, is lg and &E granted a monopoly to do their business by us? The answer to that is yes. And so should they have a, should, should we be able to have a, an opinion on how they run their business? Most definitely yes. That's two. Three, if you're gonna use eminent domain and overturn private property rights in Kentucky, it better be a, an extremely high bar. This, in my opinion, is not a very high bar. And it sets a precedent that, for me, is scary. So I just want you to think about it from that perspective. If 
lg e didn't have another way they could go if l g e if there was no other type of power that could be provided to bullock county if all there are any number of things that you could say meet a higher bar than what i've heard here today what i've heard here here today is not a very high bar it's oh this is the 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 cheapest way to get a a non viable frankly type of power to bullet count and the truth of the matter is the farther we get away from this decision the worst decision the worst this decision is going to look because the more competitive renewables are going to become and the more stranded this asset is going to become and it's going to look bad on all of us it just is it's this is not going to age well what's going to happen and i will absolutely guarantee you this is six months from now two years from now is going to say oh well no this is not a, a great investment but we've already sunk the investment and they're going to expect all of us as ratepayers to say people that are pragmatic like I am generally to say well you're right it's a sunk cost well we just have to we just have to to eat it and and lose all of that investment as ratepayers and what I think we're doing here today Jeff councilman Hudson sorry um, is and I would and I would like to hear I, 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 I when when asked I have not heard a very um, compelling response from LG e about this issue um, but I think what we're doing is reminding them that this is going to be a stranded asset that this is not the best way forward both in terms of their business plan and in terms of all of our best interests and I think because we grant them a monopoly to provide this business and when they need to raise their when they need to raise their income to hit so they can provide their their investors with a certain rate of return they come to the public commission service commission that doesn't mean that every decision they make is correct it means sometimes when they're not correct they've got to come to the P public service commission and say we didn't make enough money we have guaranteed our investors a certain rate of return we need to raise the, our rates to cover that rate of return all of those things to me say they are more responsible to us as taxpayers and ratepayers than just about any other business who operates it. So I just want to keep all of those things in mind. Thank you, Chair. Councilwoman Chapel. Sure. Um, I, I don't have a lot to say because I think it's been said very well, but as the former chair of the Jefferson County Soil and Water Conservation District Supervisor, who resigned from that position to come to Metro Council to advocate for environmental issues such as this. I really feel like it's important for me to speak up and say that I'm in support of this resolution. Um, and I really hope that my fellow council members will give it more consideration. Again, I don't have much to say that hasn't already been said, but I think it's very important, even if this isn't in Jefferson County, that we prioritize our natural environment because it affects us all. Committee Member Hudson. Thank you, Chair. Since, since um, Councilman Owen's remarks were directed at me by name, I, f I feel like I need to respond. <laughs> um, so uh, again, I, I agree with 99% with of everything that Councilman Owen said. And without sec subsection two of, sub of section one, I could support this resolution, uh, but with with, the, with subsection two in, in there, I, I, I cannot. Thank you. Point, point of order. 
Fowler, did you say something? Okay, I'd, I'd like to ask the assistant county attorney just to speak to something really quickly. Could you talk to us about subsection two and the legal authority that we have uh, with this resolution just to clarify what exactly that means? Thank you, Chair. Jason Fowler, assistant county attorney. As a resolution, this does not force action by LG&E. We are urging LG&E to take that action. So it won't be, um, in other words, if this passes, and as you read the language in subsection two, that LG&E should divert, that's, um, what do we call that? That is um, subjective language. That is, um, we are urging and asking them to divert. And I, I take the councilman's point that that, that seems like we're, we're interfering and meddling in their business um, to a degree that he's uncomfortable with, but there is no, um, there's no legal binding element in this resolution that will make LG&E take these actions. We are urging and asking that they take these actions. Thank you. And just to add to that, we're telling them what we want them to do, but we're not telling them what to do. Uh, committee member Bashan. Um, thank you, uh, Chair Arthur. Um, to the respect of my colleagues here and listening to Councilman Owen, with piggybacking off of what Councilman Owen said to an extent, is I think is all the more reason that because we grant LGE and we should at the very least hear their take on this and is the reason why I think we should be tabling this. Is that a motion? Another one? I just strongly urge us to we listen to both make, sides. I'm sorry, this is Sonia Harwood, the clerk. We cannot make the same motion. I'm so sorry. So if someone would like to make another motion to at least listen to lg &E on the subsection two issue, as well as the project in a whole, I feel like it is very advantageous as advantageous of us and it's maybe our fiduciary responsibility to listen to both parties involved. So maybe a question for the primary sponsor, could we see if they have a response to this resolution? I know they're a little busy right now. Maybe see if they have a response to this resolution before we vote on it with the full body. Would you be okay with that? I'm. I would love to hear from lg &E. Obviously, Councilwoman Rui is the sponsor on this. Ms. Rui, is it okay if we can table this to listen to lg &E, but I can't make that motion, so. It sounded like we couldn't table it, period. I'm sorry, this is Sonia Harwood, the clerk. You cannot table it at this level. You could table it if it went on to the council. Um, you could also have it reconsider, you know, um, recommitted back to committee after it goes to the council, but it's too late to table at this point. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank do you, you have a comment you'd like to make, Councilwoman? Uh, LG&E will be given the opportunity to respond when it goes to Metro Council. I would like to go ahead and continue and vote on it today. I'm sorry. This is Sonia Harwood again, the Metro Council clerk. Um, outside agencies cannot speak at a council meeting. So please keep yep. that in mind. The voice of a goddess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Committee member Fowler. Thank you. Um, 
So is there any way, um, Ms. Clark, that we can just um, not vote on this today? <laughs> I know, I know. You know, um, you interpret your own rules, ma'am. And honestly, I, I think, um, and you know, you could um, take a motion to reconsider the motion to table. That would be as close as you could try to be, try to get. And if that, and see if you can get that motion reconsidered. That's as, okay. as good if as I may that. interject. No Jason that. Fowler, assistant Go county attorney. Or not. Since yes, since you no voted no measure. and you prevailed, you can make the motion to reconsider the motion to table. I would like to make a motion to reconsider to table this um, until we can get more information. Not necessarily from LGE, but from somebody. They got a second. Second. We have the assistant county attorney wanting to speak. As you were, yeah. committee member Fowler, could you mute yourself? You sound like you're in a tornado. Thank you. I, I, I was muted. Okay. Well, whoever that was, <laughs> blowing it to the mic. Assistant County Attorney. As you were, I believe my uh, issue has been addressed. Thank you. Okay. Do we have a second for that? I seconded it. And is that second allowed from, from people who voted to table before, just for clarity? Yes, sir. The second does not matter. Thank you. We'll need a roll call again because there's an abstention. Can you explain the motion just one more time? It, the, the white noise was, was given. To table the resolution. No, sir. No, sir. It's to reconsider the motion to table the resolution. You'll have to take like three votes to get this done. Lord. <laughs> and we'll, we'll need another abstention, correct? So we need a roll call? Yes, sir. Okay. Nope. Committee member Mulvihill. I will need to abstain due to my wife's employment with LGE. Committee member Fowler. And we are, this is on the motion to reconsider. Yes, ma'am. Correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes. My vote is yes. Mr. Chair, you have four yes votes, three no votes, and one abstain. So now we vote on table. Yes, sir. You need a motion and a second to do that. And can that motion come from someone who voted to table earlier? It, that will not matter in this case. Okay, thank you so much. Do we have a motion to table? Move. I second. And we need to roll call once again for the abstention. Committee member Mulvihill. I will abstain again for the reasons given already in the committee. Thank you. Committee member Fowler. Uh, yes. Mr. Chair, you have four yes votes, three no, and one abstain. The resolution is tabled. 
We don't have any other business before us, so we are adjourned. adjourned. Before everybody runs off, quick shout out to all of our LGE workers who have been working around the clock to get people's power restored. Thank you all so much. Still here to make sure you have your flowers.